the one with Carrie Crowang. As I walked down the hallway leading out of the Delta Airlines concourse and into the main terminal, I saw my parents wave to me. I quickened my pace and found myself barely able to drop my backpack from my shoulders before my mom pulled me into an embrace. It took me a bit of effort to free myself from the embarrassing hug, and as I did, she kissed me on the cheeks and began to fuss about my hair like I was eight or something. My father rescued my by stepping up to shake me hand. Hey there, Al, he beamed. How are things in the home stretch? Possibly my father's greatest gift to me was his insistence that I be called Al when I was little. Alistair is an extremely old family name on my mom's side, and once I was born with a penis, there had never been a chance I'd be named anything else. But dad had been firm that everybody call me Al, believing that the only person who should decide that I actually be known by that full mouthful should be me. So far, I have not made that decision. Check back with me in a million years. I am Al, though Alistair has its appeal. I go to boarding school up in Connecticut, and this was my senior year. Most of us seniors had already heard from our colleges, with the only exceptions being the kids still held on pins and needles by the super-competitive schools like the Evies. I had been accepted early decision at Uske back in December. Thus, as my father was intimating, my spring semester was pretty much just an exercise in not flunking. It really was a home stretch. I was having fun too. I was playing a lot of dead and I had buddies to hang out with. But school was still school, and it was nice to be home for the almost two weeks of spring break. I am an only child, so my parents understandably kept me to themselves, my first night home. I did manage to make some phone calls to the few people who had still remained buddies with me after I had gone off to boarding school. I had discovered that you don't keep a lot of friends back home when you go away to prep school. Four years is a long time to keep someone in your head when you are a teenager and you never see them anymore. I had never been exactly a social butterfly to begin with, either. I was not a loner or a loser or ostracized back in middle school when I was still living at home, but I had definitely been pretty shy and just enough of a geek to keep me friendly rather than friends with most people. By this point in my senior year, I was down to about three dudes back home whom I still thought of as friends enough to hang out with, including my longtime best friend and former next, Dorday neighbor Chris. We made plans for me to pick him up the next day when Peachtree High, the local public high school, got out. The good thing about my vacation was that it at least partially aligned with the local school systems this year, which was rare. But for the rest of my first week home, I had nothing to do until 2.30 when Peachtree let out. I did the laundry I brought home Thursday morning. Mom would have done it for me, of course, but I'd learned to do it myself over the last four years, and I had discovered that it made her ridiculously happy that her son could and would clean his own clothes so happy, in fact, that I was never made to do the dishes. About two, I left the house. I drive my mom's car when I am home, and I tooled over toward P High, grabbing a Coke at McDonald's on the way. I parked on the shaded street near Peachtree 
where kids tended to meet up for a ride after school. The official pickup area had no trees, was blazing hot, and overflowed with clingy moms in minivans. I did not even go to school at P. High and I knew no self, respecting human wanted to get picked up there. The bus would have been better. I didn't know too many of the kids at Peachtree in the first place, given how long I had effectively lived eight states away, and the fact that about two-thirds of them had gone to middle schools other than mine to begin with. That made most of the kids drifting out past me, as classes let out, strangers. Among that number, I included a bunch that I had used to know, but who now had no recollection of me. I just sat on the hood of the car, sipped my coke, and scanned my TikTok follows. I periodically pulled my face away from the clevelicious babes, dancing or lip, sinking on the screen, to check out the less clevelicious, but often still pretty strangers, wandering by as I waited for Chris to show his mangy hide, as each passed, I'd go back to the next video. When I looked up the next time, scanning the increasing flow of kids walking by, I suddenly straightened my spine and put away my phone. Walking toward me were two girls I most definitely recognized from back in 8th grade, Carrie freaking Kroenke and Mary. Or was it Maddie? Davis, two of the absolutely hottest girls I had ever known back then. Carrie Kroenke had been the near, universally acclaimed prettiest girl our age, and somehow, looking at her walk toward me now, I doubted that she had lost that status. Maddie or Mary might have given her at least a run for it, though. Both the girls walking toward me had spent the years from 13 to 18 developing from pretty to knuckle-bitingly hot. It wasn't that I had forgotten what the other girl who was walking toward me's name was. It was just that Mary and Maddie were a pair of twins and I had never learned to tell them apart. I had no idea which one was in front of me now for sure. My view of them got even better when they both actually recognized me, Al Taylor, Carrie exclaimed. Who knew you were still alive? Hey, Al, the twin added. You went away to private school, didn't you? Do your parents still live here? She asked, in a little bit of surprise. Hey, Carrie. Hey, ah, M, I trailed off, realizing that I had trapped myself by naming Carrie. It's Mary, Al. Mary said dryly, but with a smile. She tapped at the small brown thumb-sized birthmark on her neck. Remember, I vaguely remembered about the birthmark, that it was the only real way to tell between them. Those girls were utterly identical otherwise. But even back then, I never could remember which one had been the one with the mark. I never really had had much need. When you are only staring from a distance, too young to fully know why, you hardly need to actually know a pretty girl's name. I had honestly never talked to any girls much, back in middle school. And especially not girls like Mary or Carrie. They dwelt on a higher plane of existence. Obviously, I knew them, and had managed to be friendly. The twins had actually ridden the same bus as I, but they seldom sat near me. Carrie I had talked to a little more, since we were in the same homeroom in 8th grade but just a little more. I smirked sheepishly at Mary. Sorry, it has been a while. Are you guys enjoying senior year? I asked, changing the subject quickly. It's been a blast, said Mary happily, and Carrie agreed. 
though with visibly less enthusiasm, which puzzled me. And Carrie is student body vice, President, added Mary sweetly. Carrie rolled her eyes. Mademoiselle Vice President, I intoned solemnly, making a deep formal bow while still sitting on the hood of the car. Carrie elbowed Mary. Is that your car? Nice, Carrie said, changing the subject. Ah, uh, it is still in my dad's name for the insurance, I temporized, finding that I was loath to tell these two girls that I was driving my mom's car. I am not cool. No one thinks I'm cool. But I did not need to look uncool. I just drive it when I'm home. Nice, said Carrie, looking the elderly Mercedes over. So what's it like going to boarding school? Mary asked curiously. I chuckled, happy to talk about myself a little. Honestly, it is pretty fun, if a little weird. How's the food? Mary inquired. Weird? Carrie asked simultaneously. The food sucks, I said promptly. Ninety-five percent of the time. The other five percent is the maid, to order omelettes on Sunday mornings. And as for the weird, it is strange having your teachers around 24-7. But the hardest thing I had get used to when I first got there was having classes six days a week. Wait! You have got to be shitting us, Carrie challenged me. It's really not that bad, I said, instinctively defending my school. Wednesdays and Saturdays are half days anyway, because almost everyone has a match, meet, or game those afternoons. A real jock school, ha, huh? Carrie asked. How do you handle that? I felt a little challenged at her easy assumption that I wasn't up to sports. Mary felt a little embarrassed too. Carrie, don't be mean. All could handle some soccer or something. Okay, my defender was possibly more condescending than Carrie. It's not so bad, I said easily. Then couldn't help but slip in the knife and give it a twist. But then, who would have thought that nerdy little me would end up graduating this May with four varsity letters? I asked rhetorically with a matter of off-fact expression. They both stared at me with grins on their faces, which faded to incredulity when I let them see that I was smugly serious. Really, blurted Carrie. Two in cross-country, two in track, I proclaimed proudly. Turns out, even if you are a scrawny waif, when you just refuse to let the exhaustion win, you can claw your way from the last-place scrub on a no-cut team, up to varsity, in a few quick years. Mary shook her head. All Taylor is a jock. My world is rocked. Hold on, I'm no jock. I have still never won a race, ever, and with only eight track meets left before graduation, I am never going to, not without a couple of faster dudes breaking their legs, who knew. The old humble brag can make girls smile. At this moment, Chris irritatingly decided to show up. He called my name as he approached, and we fist-bumped. He hid his surprise at finding me talking to Carrie and Mary. Hey, Chris, said Carrie absently. Is all your ride? Yep, Chris said easily. Thanks for waiting on me, buddy. This sounded like a prelude to a goodbye, and I found that I really wanted to keep talking to these two. And to just keep looking at them, honestly. Mary was short, dark-haired, tanned. Up top, she had on a horizontally striped blue and red t-shirt that called attention to her impressive rack, chiefly by how hard it strained to contain those puppies. 
I remembered that Mary and Maddie had been among the first of our age to start to develop, way back when, but now that she was grown, she had really grown. I briefly wondered if she and Maddie still dressed identically every day. It would be one hell of a sight now. Carrie was. Carrie. She was tall for a girl. Maybe even five. Eight now. She had been taller than me back when, but I had clearly shot past her in the last four years, as I had most everyone else. Her high-waisted, cream-colored slacks accentuated her incredibly long legs, and she sported a robin's egg blue Lacoste shirt with the collar popped up, framing her elegant neck. The outfit fit her perfectly, just like everything she had ever worn. It wasn't tight anywhere, but you could still clearly see and appreciate that her slender, elegant figure had developed sweeping curves in all the right places, and in all the right places, and in all the right dimensions. Nowhere was Carrie too generous, nor was she anywhere disappointingly small, and she carried herself now with an incredible grace and poise. She wasn't proud or stuck up, and she didn't pose, she just was. Graceful. Fuck. Was I getting goddamned hard just sitting here chatting? The girl's body language sure looked like they were ready to move on now. How's Donald? I asked Carrie quickly, hoping to extend the conversation. Donald was a handsome dude in our class who had been childhood sweethearts with Carrie since the eighth freaking grade. The only times I had heard Carrie even mentioned since, it was always in the context of Donald and Carrie. It turns out, this question was a bit of a turd in the punch bowl. Carrie scowled and Chris winced. I looked confused. Mary had mercy on me. They broke up a while ago. Al, she explained with a note of friendly caution. Oh, sorry, I mumbled to Carrie. Don't be, she sighed. I'm over him by now. She went on in a tone of voice that suggested the situation remained complicated. Chris seemed unhappy to be in an uncomfortable conversation with these two higher beings and shut up to let me work my way out of it. Thankfully, he didn't try to fix things by saying, let's go. Wow, I just said gently. I may have had zero success with girls, relationship, wise at least, while away at school, but I actually did have a fair number of friends who were card-carrying, certified girls. Through them, I had managed to learn that quiet empathy was usually helpful. To Mary's evident surprise, Carrie responded to my quiet invitation to keep talking. Actually, I think I really am over Donald. I mean, I should have seen it coming. I think probably did see it coming. I think probably did see it coming, subconsciously, when I got into Vanderbilt, and he didn't, she admitted with a wry smile. She could humble brag too, apparently. The problem, Carrie went on with a grimace, is that nobody else believes that I have moved on. We broke up at Thanksgiving, and I still have not had a date. What? Come on. I almost laughed incredulously. This was Carrie Kroenke I was talking to here. It was not possible that she not be in demand if she was available. No, really, Carrie frowned at me, getting up ahead of steam. Everybody thinks I'm just waiting around for Donald to take me back. As if, snorted Mary. I shot her an inquiring look. He knows what he did, she added with a mutter. Carrie glowered at Mary. Whether they think I'm not over him, or they think I'm still his damn property or something, I think there is not one guy here who is willing to ask me out until someone else does first. 
It's a vicious circle. I'm going to go through my last semester of high school with no social life. No problem, I said easily. We will break the circle. What time can I pick you up Friday night? There's that new horror movie opening. Those words just slipped out. I swear, I heard them coming from my mouth, but it only fully dawned on my what I was doing once I had finished. When I said I had had zero success with dating, I mean zero. I had literally never even asked, much less gone out with a girl. And here I was asking out Carrie freaking Crowenkay. I hadn't even meant to, really. I just saw an obvious solution to a problem that someone I was well, disposed toward had, and suggested that solution before my social mind caught up. And the intent in my mind, even before I grasped the enormity of what I had just done, had not been to get Carrie to actually say yes to my invitation, but to get her to see that her situation was really more easily solved than she had worked herself into believing. I wanted to spontaneously die right there and then. I only survived because I immediately grasped that I had never supposed the answer could possibly be yes. That made my imminent humiliation semi-bearable. Carrie's eyes widened for a moment, then softened. Friday. I'm sorry, Arl. My parents have plans for the family. Thank you, Carrie, for saving my pride. I started to smile and shrug when she added, but how about Sunday? Sure, my mouth said. Sounds good. That was all I could manage. What time? Carrie prompted patiently. Ah, I gasped. Let me check the showtimes. Oom, I added, desperately trying to search my mind for what the hell a guy is supposed to work out when asking for a date. Dinner, first, Carrie brightened. Yum, sounds good. Give me your phone, huh? So I can give you my deets, she said calmly. My phone had been forgotten in my hand the whole conversation. I swiped it open and handed it to her. My fingers numb. Carrie furiously typed away into it. After a few moments, I heard the swoosh of a text message sending and a ding from her pocket on the most delectable backside on planet Earth. There, she said, returning my phone and pulling her own out of said back pocket. Now I have your number too, she said with a smile. I told her that I would set things up and call her as soon as I got home. And with that, the conversation was over, the two girls ambling off on down the road to wherever Mary's car was parked. As they walked away, I saw Mary steal a glance over her shoulder, back at me, a strange expression on her face, like I was some kind of exotic animal or something. We got in the car, and I headed off toward home. I nearly wrecked, however, when Chris began punching me in the shoulder, hard and repeatedly. Carrie! Dude! Chris yelled. Carrie! I pulled over, ostensibly because I wanted to make him stop hitting me, but also because I was shaking just a little, all on my own. What? I protested, after I blocked a few more punches against my by now bruised shoulder. You have been keeping me out of the loop, accused Chris. What have you been up to at that school of yours to make you such a fucking player? I am not a player, I protested. And I have not been up to anything. Any. Thing, I emphasized. Shit, Chris. You do realize that that was the first time I've ever asked a girl out in my life, right? He stared at me. So you just thought, what the hell? Might as well start with Carrie Kroenke. Get over it. I said dismissively, 
trying to convince myself as much as him that this was not such a big deal. We will have dinner, we'll see a movie, and then I'll take her home. And my ego will get a boost. A fucking huge one. And hopefully, this will mean that I will not strangle myself with my own tongue when I finally screw up the courage to think about asking out some other girl later, who is actually in my league. That got a bark of laughter. But mostly, word will get around that Carrie went on a date, which is what she needs. Win. Win. Take me home, Chris sighed dramatically. I want to go to my room and cry. Fuck you, I laughed and put the car back in drive. I haven't seen you in months. Fine, Chris said. Let's go to Falwell's. Eat ice cream, and you can tell me what non-player shit you have been up to. As I said, I had never had a girlfriend, but I did make friends with people who happened to be girls when I was away at school, friends with whom I had bonded over running and one academic subject or other. Among the things that my girlfriends had beaten into my hapless, nerdy male head were some faint ideas about the importance of dressing well. Did I dress well all the time? Hell no. I'm still a bit of a geek, and I have better things to spend my time and money on besides clothes. But at least I don't wear mostly brown anymore, and I do have at least a few nice things to wear. This meant that I spent half an hour fretting over which of the two nice shirts I owned that I should wear for my date with Carrie. This approximately doubled the amount of time I had spent actively worrying about what to wear since Christmas. I finally took a deep breath and went for my wildly coloured and patterned Robert Graham shirt, the one with the contrasting cuffs. I call it my brave shirt because I could never believe I'd found the guts to buy it. When you are a bit of a wallflower like me, it takes an effort to wear a shirt that screams, look at me, like that shirt does. I felt I was going to need all the bravery I could get that evening, so I ran with the shirt. I took two showers, because I was fully aware that the all that Carrie probably remembered from 8th grade had not listed personal hygiene among his strengths. I pulled up at her house and padded toward the front door, my heart racing. As I rang the bell, Carrie yanked the door open in seconds. He's here, she called over her shoulder. Love you, Mom, Dad. I'll be home on time. She turned to me and pushed out the door. Let's go, she said with a smile. We hustled down the pathway to the Mercedes at the curb. Hiding me from your parents, I asked dubiously. No, Carrie said reassuringly. Then she paused and added, But yes, before I had a chance to be hurt, much at this strange slight, she went on. My parents are just kind of mad at you. My little brother had never heard of boarding school before I came home and told everybody about our date. Now the squirt thinks it is the greatest idea on the planet. He has spent the last two days on the internet, burying my parents in printouts of articles and blowing up their phones with links to schools. She laughed. My dad says you are going to bankrupt him, and mom says you are going to take away her little boy. I held the door for her, and she got in after a little smirk at the gesture. I went around and got in behind the wheel. To tell the truth, my parents are really both fine with you, Carrie went on as I pulled away. They just like to exaggerate everything. But I did have to get out of the house before Kimball, the squirt himself, realized you that were there and came downstairs. We'd have never gotten to leave if he started asking questions, I shrugged. Just tell him to call me.
I'll give him the straight poop. Good and bad. You don't mind having your ear talked off by a twelve-year-old? Carrie asked dubiously. I just shrugged again. Sure. It's actually an interesting subject. Thanks, she said softly. For dinner, I had decided to take her to a nice, locally-owned Italian place called Westside Mario's. It is a little nicer than the various places in town that my buddies said they or their friends had taken girls on dates before. I'd agonized over this decision too, of course. But it seemed to go over well with Carrie. Mario's nice, she said as we approached the valet. We got out and strolled into the restaurant. The hostess was a girl our age, and of course she knew Carrie. Carrie introduced me briefly and the two of them chatted about nothing as we headed to our table. The hostess looked good in her tight black slacks and black button-down dress shirt. Under ordinary circumstances, I'd have been a shy mess trying to check her out without being caught. With Carrie beside me, I never even stole a glance. Well, not more than one. But, oh man, did I have trouble not just staring at Carrie. She wore a simple red dress, bare, shouldered except for spaghetti straps, and about mid-thigh in length. It was the sort of effortlessly simple garment that really good-looking people wear and look better in than the rest of us ever do, even after a day's worth of effort. Actually, it was a pretty fancy dress for a casual Sunday date, but I sure as hell enjoyed the result. There was no cleavage on display, but the fitted fabric highlighted the high, firm, and probably bra, less, shape of her breasts. Like every other curve on her body, they were luxurious, without being extravagant. Carrie had put a gentle wave into her long blonde hair, and it flowed around her lovely face, with its high cheekbones, wide hazel eyes, pouty lips, and rounded nose. When I had first helped her into the car, I had caught a lovely perfume, applied with perfect restraint. I had honestly expected dinner to be awkward and weird, leaving us both, eager, us both eager for the enforced quiet of the movie theatre, but we actually had a good time. We talked about people I used to know, including a girl that had once been a minor crush of mine who had almost died in a car accident, and a guy who had been a friend in elementary school who had gotten arrested for shoplifting. I told Carrie about what an alien planet Connecticut was. The food was good. Carrie liked hers, but I could not tell you what the heck I even ordered. I was discovering that a great thing about these dates were that they gave you pretty much carte blanche to openly look at a pretty girl, essentially non-stop. Bravo! Whoever invented the date, on those occasions where I did look away from Carrie, I thought I could see that people looked at me a bit differently than I was used to. First of all, people looked at me at all. That was different. Some of them looked at me as if to ask what that unsightly growth was that had developed on this beautiful girl. But a lot of them looked at me with some respect. When the time for the movie approached, I paid the tab. Carrie quietly said, thanks, when I did it, as if she hadn't expected the gesture and simply appreciated it. As we walked out to the car, I felt like my arms were flopping around like a baby's uncontrolled flailing. Was I supposed to hold her hand? Her arm? Should I put an arm around her or rest my hand on the small of her back? I didn't know, and besides, 
this was a look people, carry can date kind of situation. I just kind of fluttered along beside her, gesturing aimlessly. Every time I thought I was getting a handle on what I was doing that evening, I seemed to hit a new area of uncertainty. When we got to the theatre, Carrie stepped in front of me and bought our tickets before I could. She handed me one and smiled. I can't let you pay for everything, she laughed. This isn't the 20th century. I still bought the popcorn and sodas. At the kiosk, Carrie had selected seats in the next to last row, off to the left side. The theatre was only about half full, which on opening weekend did not bode well for the financial success of the film. Still, it was nice that nobody was sitting right near us. We whispered back and forth during the trailers, and it made me feel good that we were surprisingly aligned when it came to which coming attractions we thought looked promising. The slasher flick that I had chosen was serviceable. Production quality was high for a horror film. The acting was all right. The story was totally formulaic. The female nudity was copious and top-notch. And for once, that made me uncomfortable instead of excited. What with Carrie sitting right next to me? Still, top-notch, the scares and the violence were quite effective, and that is where things got interesting. Carrie scared easily, and seemed to just eat up being terrified. She grabbed my hand while the first victim was being stalked. She shrieked when the first fake-out jump. Scare came, and then, when the samurai sword beheaded the first naked co-ed, she almost crushed my arm. I was afraid at first that she might be hating the gore, and would want to leave, but in the aftermath, as the story returned to the other, still unaware characters, she smiled at me in the dark. When the next couple got naked, the nudity included a full-length, fully naked shot of the dude. The actor apparently spent all his time lifting weights and drinking creatine. He certainly wasn't spending hours on acting class. But Carrie leaned over and whispered in my ear, It's about time we girls get our share of skin in these movies. My dick twitched hard. It did so because, one, as I said before, top, notch. Two, Carrie was talking about sex, and appreciatively, to me. Three, when she whispered to me, her lips almost brushed my ear, and I could feel her breath on my face. When the second kills came, this time with no initial fake-out, Carrie almost spilled our tub of popcorn when she grabbed me. Once my own initial heart rate spike subsided, I really liked this development. First, she had buried her face against my shoulder. More importantly, I felt brave enough to take a chance. I held the almost spilled tub and whispered, Yikes, this is balanced precariously. I lifted the armrest between us up out of the way, letting the popcorn rest more stably on our seats instead, and not so incidentally getting the barrier between us out of the way. If we had been characters in a movie ourselves, the confident guy would have taken the opportunity to put his arm around the girl at this point. But see above. I'm not a player. Intentionally getting rid of that armrest had been the most forward thing I'd done in my life. After another quick kill, things had reached the permanent tension stage of the movie formula. The missing armrest suddenly became key as Carrie actually slid closer to me, her hands gripping my hard but meager biceps. Every time things got tense, she leaned in close, ready to hide her eyes in my shoulder. 
Another top-notch girl got top. Less. She was already terrified of a mad killer on the loose, and she chooses to get naked. Gotta love horror movie logic. And then just like that, the girl on screen got head. Less. It was a really good scare, though. And Carrie screamed out loud, grabbing my shoulders this time, and burying her face in my chest. One of her breasts did not quite press itself against my hand. Just my forearm, but I still thought I was going to die. Die happy. I decided that this was the best movie ever made. I had been touched more by Carrie too. Thirds of the way through this movie than I had been touched by pretty girls in my entire freaking life. And that brief press of firm boob flesh against my arm had been heaven. Carrie pulled away, suddenly a little self-conscious. Sorry, she whispered. I just shrugged broadly enough to be seen in the dark. Don't worry about it. We are supposed to be scared, right? It's fun, she smiled, though I could tell her heart was still beating fast. It is, she replied quietly. Then, even though things were not very tense at the moment, she leaned over against me anyway. I studiously moved my hands down out of the way to my own legs. The last thing I wanted, if she leaned against me again, was for her to think I was copping a feel. Three of the remaining four characters all bought it in rapid succession, each more gruesomely and quickly than the last. Carrie, along with lots of others in the audience, was screaming again, and she flipped toward me and practically tackled me and practically tackled me in my seat. Her face buried against my neck, and I felt her heaving, panicky breath. This time, I felt both boobs rubbing against me. But the piece de resistance was that she turned so hard against me that her far leg swung over and briefly draped across my own thigh, the thigh where I had stationed my hand in order to get it out of the way. Let's just say that I was instantly, acutely aware that Carrie was not wearing hosiery. Her legs slid back off me swiftly, but she barely loosened her grip on me otherwise. The last girl was already being pursued, screaming like mad. I shifted in my seat in my own kind of panic. I did not, under any circumstances, want to dislodge Carrie in any way, but if she got any closer to me, she might well feel just how crazily, uncomfortably aroused I was at that moment. Dislodging Carrie would have been impossible anyway. She clung tight to me, twisting her shoulders to watch the screen as the girl, who was also top-notch, but tragically only scantily dressed instead of naked, alternated between escaping through luck or ingenuity, and then doing something stupid to let the killer close in on her again. Carrie was tense as a spring as the killer closed in for the last time. I think I was saved from having her climb into my engorged lap because she noticed, as did I, the high-voltage wire right behind the girl. They had telegraphed that element earlier in the movie, and we both knew what was going to happen. It took just enough tension out of us to save me from Carrie climbing onto my hard. The girl ducked at the last second, and the killer's sword cut into the wire. Sparks. Flames. A guttural scream. Credits. Carrie settled back into her seat with a smile I could see in the dark. She heaved a breath and said, Wow, that was fun, I certainly agreed, though most of my enthusiasm was reserved for events, not on screen. This had been the best date anyone had ever been on, I was sure. I certainly did not imagine me topping it in the future. 
With a dumb smile on my face, I said, Thanks, Carrie. I really enjoyed this. I wanted to ask if she'd like to do it again. But come on. There is pushing your luck, and there is just outright standing in front of an oncoming train. She had finally gotten a date, even if with a nerd like me. We had been seen by people she knew, and Mary and Maddie would tell the planet. Those gossips. She would get the invitations that she really wanted now. It's too bad, though, Carrie went on, her lips screwed up in an uneven frown. Oh, yeah, my parents are taking my family on a trip to Vale for spring break. We, ah, leave tomorrow. In what way? I asked, with an easy snort. Does spring skiing in Colorado suck? Oh, um, she hesitated. I just thought that if I were going to be here, we might have gone out again. Ah, and I was panicking again. Who did this girl think I was? Yeah, that would have been amazing, trying to sound like she hadn't lifted me up, just to crush me even harder. Maybe this summer. Yeah, maybe this summer. Yeah, maybe at this point. I just wanted to get away from her. I know that sounds crazy, but I needed to process all this. This amazing date and this little coda at the end would need a lot of analyzing, and frankly, I needed to jack off something fierce. Well, if you are leaving tomorrow, you probably need to pack. I guess I should take you home. Much as I felt the need to be alone, I still was already wistful that she was going to say yes. No, maybe not yet, Carrie surprised me. I'm actually all packed. She heaved a deep breath, which drew my gaze inexorably, and then added quickly, Let's go for a ride. I don't feel like going home and having Kimball give me the third degree about you. I found that not being alone was suddenly pretty appealing, after all. I pulled out of the parking space and said, If he pesters you, just tell him to call me directly, like I said. You guys may not be in town, but I'll bet he has a cell. You really meant that about taking to him? Sure, I said, brimming with sudden confidence. What else do I have to do? The prit. I choked myself off. I wasn't that confident. What? Carrie asked, at my suddenly swallowed words. Nothing. Come on. What? In a rush, I blurted, I was going to say that the prettiest girl I know is not going to be around, so what else do I have to do? She actually blushed brightly enough for me to see, in the dash lights, and then she smiled so brightly that I nearly drove into a ditch. That made me think fast, and I covered for the slight swerve by moving on quickly. So where do you want to drive? Cruise through downtown. Carrie seemed eager to change the subject from my foolhardiness as well. I like this car. It's seven years old, I laughed. It's a Benz, Carrie countered. I'll bet it's fast. Fast. A little, I said uncertainly. I happen to know that it was, in fact, quite fast. Show me, not downtown. Duh. Nothing down there but traffic lights. Okay, I said and turned at the intersection, and headed outward instead, and headed outward instead of where I had intended. I was trembling at how fast I dared go. A ticket would not be appreciated by my parents. But the speed seemed very much appreciated by Carrie, whose desires, I found, made my parents temporarily irrelevant. I let the car go a little, maybe more than a little. A landmark flashed by the corner of my eye, and I had an idea. I slowed to look for a certain turn, and saw Delwood Road ahead on the left. It was a small farm road that ended up going mostly straight, 
way far out into the country. Not only would it be free of cops, it would be free of just about any cars at all. Farmers don't stay up late. I might really let the bends show off for Carrie, in less than a mile. We passed the last subdivision on the road, and we were truly in the sticks. The moon was nearly full, and it was really bright out for this late at night. Visibility was great. I took a breath and dropped the pedal. Carrie whooped happily as the Mercedes leapt smoothly forward. It was little exhilarating for me too, to be going on a night-speed run, especially with a hot girl sitting excitedly beside me. It wasn't like I was hitting a hundred or anything, though. This was a narrow road, after all, and I didn't want to hit a deer or any. A deer wandered out. Fortunately, it was way ahead of us, and I didn't even have to dynamite the brakes to slow down in time. It still scared both of us. The damned animal just stared at us blearily, then wandered off the other side of the road. Before I could speed up again, another came out of the field, following. I came to a stop, and we watched as seven in total crossed the road from a cotton field to a little turnout by a pond on the other side. I love deer, Carrie sighed. I love deer, Carrie sighed. They look so beautiful. They look delicious too, I joked. She poked me in the ribs. Meanie. My heart was still pumping a little hard, this time not from Carrie's proximity, but from the near encounter with that first deer. More speed was not what I needed for a moment, but I didn't want to look scared in front of Carrie. Let's see where they went, I said, and steered into the turnout, dimming my headlights to just the parking bulbs. Carrie-Uter agreement. The turnout led about fifty yards off the road to a flat patch of grass by the small pond. There was a single oak by the edge, with a picnic table under it that had definitely seen better days. And halfway around the edge of the pond were all seven deer, just standing around in the open. They were close enough to still see clearly, but not so close as to be spooked. Curiously, I killed the engine and the lights entirely. I reached up and flipped the cabin light switch so we could silently get out of the car without the dome lights coming on. I went and leaned against the front of the hood, hoping my heart would stop racing. Carrie slowly stepped over and leaned on the car as well, right next to me, eyes on the deer, with the silver moonlight on the placid pond and the unconcerned deer only a hundred yards away. It would have been an incredibly beautiful night, even without the vision in a red dress leaning next to me. Good idea to turn in and get a look, Carrie whispered. I can't believe they stuck around where we could watch them, I replied, my eyes still on the deer. Mostly, still, thanks, Carrie said. I could not help but turn my face toward her when I saw that smile out of the corner of my eye. She kissed me. It wasn't some deep, long thing, just a peck, in fact, but it was square on the lips. My heart which had finally stopped pounding from the near encounter with the deer, was back to racing. I realized dimly that while she had only kissed me briefly, she had not withdrawn her face very far. Before I could doubt myself, I leaned over and kissed her back, just the same, quick way. Then, suddenly, we were kissing deeply, not breaking apart. Let me just say that kissing a girl is fucking awesome. The feel of her lips on mine was amazing, and when she opened those lips without letting them part from mine, and I felt her tongue brush out to me, I trembled. 
I let my own tongue extend tentatively, and I almost felt a shock as it caressed her tongue, and she didn't flinch away. Kissing was new, but I felt like I got the hang of it quickly. While my tongue was flickering around in novel delights, the rest of me was paralyzed, as we leaned on the hood beside each other, our knees pressed together and our shoulders. Her hips and breasts did not touch me, but I could literally feel their proximity. I wanted to at least put an arm around her, but I was so terrified that changing anything might break the moment. After an eternity, Carrie at least reached out a delicate hand and rested it on my shoulder. Just that sent shocks through me. I still couldn't move. She faced me and leaned forward to kiss me even harder, her tongue practically diving into my mouth. She leaned forward, bracing herself on my shoulders with her hands, then leaned her head back, breaking our kiss again just enough to be able to stare at my face, a smile in her eyes. Then she kissed my cheek. Then she kissed my neck. That was a whole new amazing. Then she simply sank down to her knees in front of me on the soft grass where we were parked. It did nothing to alleviate my paralysis to have Carrie fucking Kroenke tugging at the fly of my trousers. She looked back up at me, keeping her eyes locked to mine as she fumbled open my fly. Then she grabbed the waistband of my underwear and tugged it forward and down. I found the will to move just enough to raise my ass so that she could tug both drawers and trousers down to my knees. The feeling of relief was palpable as my cock was suddenly no longer crammed into my pants. That feeling warred with terror at being seen naked by a girl. Then she finally looked down. Holy shit! Oh, Carrie exclaimed, actually jerking back. What? I cried, alarmed. That's fuck all. You are goddamned huge, Carrie said breathlessly. Apparently, I am well endowed. I really had not known. I mean, the only hard dicks I had ever seen, besides my own, were from the exactly two pornos I had ever watched. Those two dicks had looked like they were maybe a little bigger than mine, or maybe a little smaller. I thought that was just the way dicks were. The only people who had seen me naked were dudes, and then only in the showers. And I am way, way smaller when I'm not excited. So yeah, both Carrie and I found out simultaneously that I was hung. Not that I was going tell her that I was new to this realization. But wait! Oh God, I was somehow scaring her. It is extremely hard to think coherently when you have the biggest hard. On of your life, a gorgeous girl has just pulled down your pants, is kneeling before you, and she practically shrieks when she sees your cock. My paralysis continued unabated. Then she leaned forward, flicked her tongue up under my balls, and dragged it with agonizing slowness up my sack, then along my shaft to the tip. She added a second slow lick, this time starting at mid-shaft. Her eyes finally left my dick to gleam up at my own. Then she opened her mouth and slipped my throbbing head inside. I groaned in delirious amazement. She smiled at my sound of pleasure, or tried to, what with my dick in her mouth, and she gave me head. This was not the cock-sucking I had seen in those videos. There was no choking, or wild bobbing, or dirty talk. Carrie just used her tongue, and lips, and fingertips to wet me, caress me, and simulate me in a gentle, affectionate, giving way that utterly blew my mind. 
She remained fascinated by my length, often pausing in her efforts to try to measure me using her hands. While she didn't choke herself, she did try several times to see how much of me she could get into her mouth. She never got more than halfway. But everything she did to me shook me to the core. Her delicate hands smeared her saliva all over my shaft and she jacked me with perfect firmness. She seemed especially happy to run her tongue in circles around my head, or kiss it, or even suck on it like a lollipop. When she did bob up and down on me, it was smooth, slow, and made my toes curl. I was simply in heaven. Now please remember, four hours earlier, I had never even been on a date. I think I can be forgiven for not lasting very long, okay? Carrie was making another attempt at taking as much of me as she could into her mouth, her tongue lavishing the underside of my shaft as she sucked it into her when I felt the urgent rise. I rocked my hips backward and gasped out, Carrie, careful, I'm, I think I'm going to. Rather than pulling me out of her mouth, Carrie just jacked the base of my cock harder and lashed at my head with her tongue, keeping me firmly inside her lips. I shuddered and could last no longer. I shouted into the night as my hips rocked, and I nutted. My balls surged and my dick throbbed as I shot a rapid fire series of jets into Carrie's mouth. She flinched happily with each new offering, and I felt her swallowing to keep up. The final surge of cum left me hanging on a sensory precipice from which I abruptly crashed. I flopped backward, catching myself with my hand behind me on the hood of the car not a muscle below my ribcage functioning at all. I was not some kind of chronic daily masturbator or anything, but I had thought I had a pretty good idea of how nice an orgasm was. I learned right then and there how much more amazing it was when someone else made you do it. I gasped loudly as I looked down at Carrie. My dick was still in her mouth as she suckled gently on it, rubbing her hand firmly up my length to squeeze out every drop. Finally satisfied, she released my already softening cock with an audible pop and rose to her feet like a smiling vision. Oh, thank you, Carrie, I gasped, unable to contain myself. And gosh, I am so sorry for coming in your mouth like that. She laughed. Sorry for what? I'm the one who is sorry. I know that he. That guys want to see their cum on a girl's face. But I'd rather not have to explain the messed up makeup. I looked at her in confusion. Part of me had talked enough with other guys to know that girls are not supposed to prefer swallowing. And part of me was imaging my jizz on Carrie's face. Besides, she added happily. Yours tastes really good. It does, I asked, distracted. Actually, yeah, Carrie said. Then she licked her lips one more time before leaning forward to kiss me again. This time, I leaned forward and actually managed to make my hands reach out to gently hold her hips while we kissed. Not afraid to taste your cum in my mouth? Carrie asked, pulling away momentarily. Honestly, I replied. I didn't even think about it, and I'd kiss you if you'd been eating raw garlic for an hour first. I cut off her laugh with another kiss. I was surging with a feeling of confidence I had never experienced before. It warred with the sheer terror I still felt at the dizzying heights I had risen to, unlooked. For, before I could stop myself, I stood up on the grass. Still kissing Carrie, I steered her around so that she was leaning against the car instead of me. 
I felt my hands tugging and bunching the tight fabric of her dress at her hips. I broke the kiss. Thank you, thank you, thank you, I breathed. Can I? I asked hesitantly, not believing I was trying this. I sank in turn to my knees on the grass. Can I? Um, you know, return the gesture, I asked, looking up at her. Carrie's eyes were wide. You want to? You want to eat me? She gasped. What I was actually doing was being terrified. I had no fucking idea what I was supposed to do. But I nodded and waited. She just nodded almost frantically. Please. I'm so horny right now. Please. I gently tugged up her dress. It slid above her hips to her waist, and I beheld a delicate pair of lacy panties in a red that matched her dress. I found myself leaning in toward them involuntarily, and I caught a whiff of the most amazing aroma. Somehow keeping her dress pushed up, I slid my thumbs down to the waistband of those delicate underthings and pressed downward. Carrie wriggled her hips to help, and then held up the hem of her dress while I slid the panties down to her ankles. She reached out for them, and I handed them to her. Carrie braced her hands on the hood of the car, and pushed herself up to sit on the edge, one hand still tightly clutching her bunched-up underwear. Her dress had settled back right over her pussy, and I looked beneath it. She had a delicately trimmed little bush that let me know what I had always believed, that she was a natural blonde. Between her legs was a delicate cleft covered in a dusting of downy yellow curls. Curls that were damp. I didn't know what to do. I mean, I knew the bold outlines, of course. I had watched those two pornos, after all. And guys do talk. Even if among my male friends, it was mostly just speculation, not experience. And I especially knew I really wanted to do this, but I was super terrified of doing it wrong and displeasing Carrie. I was being offered an apex life experience here, but the only thing I thought that could be worse than missing that opportunity would be to fuck it up. So, I delayed. I leaned in swiftly, how could I not? But I dithered about getting started. I delayed by kissing along her inner thighs. I'd kiss or lick intently, then back off to make sure it was well received, just letting my lips stroke her incredible skin while I judged reactions. I'd kiss closer, then lose my nerve and run my mouth around to the other side, trying to get up the nerve to go those last few inches and actually taste what smelled so goddamn good. My constant care to gauge Carrie's reactions made me soon aware that I was probably doing something right, at least. Her breath caught whenever I got close. But was she excited or stealing herself for my ham? Fisted approach. Carrie ran her fingers over the hair atop my head, then suddenly grabbed a handful tightly. Oh, she started to say with a moan. Quit teasing me. You are killing me. She finished with a growl that trailed off. Are you backing out? Carrie asked, and I saw what looked like worry in her eyes. I lifted my head, shook it hard. Oh no, I gasped. No way! She smiled almost feverishly, and she tugged me forward and down by the hank of hair she held, and none too gently either. Her guidance was on target, and my lips promptly bumped into her slit. I took a deep breath and drew my tongue slowly up the length of those gates to glory. Carrie practically purred, and her grip on my hair softened, though she did not release my head. I licked again, and again, with each stroke, I tasted more of her, 
and I felt her nether lips begin to part for my tongue. The next pass, I pressed my tongue deeper, and her taste and aroma started to overwhelm me. My cock, so recently drained, was already hard again. As I ploughed her furrow with my tongue, I felt it run over a swollen bump within. Carrie gasped, and her hips bucked. Noted, Columbus had discovered the clitoris. Folks, now, what the fuck was I supposed to do with it? Concentrating on it seemed a good start. I flicked the tip of my tongue over it again, and Carrie gasped. Good. I let my tongue burrow a trace deeper, so I could run it around her clit, exploring that firm little bump. She really seemed to like this. Just like she was supposed to, I guess. She really was moaning now, writhing with her back to the car, thrusting her hips forward to make it easier for me to reach her. But it was still hard for me to reach that bud like I wanted to. The angle of my head was okay, but the spot was not right out in the open, after all. I wanted to use my fingers to spread her open a little, for better access, but was that a good idea? Everything down there felt super delicate and sensitive. Maybe fingers would feel invasive. Invasive. I dragged my fingers up her inner thigh, then raised my head slightly. I could feel her wetness smeared on my face. Carrie, I asked hesitantly, not wanting to reveal my ignorance. Is it okay if I use my fingers too? I trailed off, not sure if I was about to gross her out, and not really sure what I needed to do, anyway. Her eyes widened as she looked down at me. I'll, she started to say, then hesitated. She chuckled then and went on. I'll, what I want you to use is your cock. As much as things had already escalated, I was not prepared for that offer. Carrie wanted me to fuck her. Carrie fucking Croenk. I hesitated a beat as I looked up at her with wide eyes of my own. Was I about to lose my virginity? Was I ready for that? Was this the best time to, like a record scratching in my head, my doubts disappeared? Unless I was planning on Gal Gadot showing up in my dorm room next month, there could be no better person to lose my virginity with than this? I gulped and asked. Really? Carrie nodded fervently. I started to rise to my feet eagerly, but paused halfway upright. I rose the rest of the way, with what I knew was a stricken look on my face. Carrie, I don't have any condoms on me, I said. I had never touched a condom in my life, but I was committed to my bluff of having done, well, any of this before, and I was not giving up now, even if I was about to be denied for want of nine inches of latex. Don't worry. Carrie said, reaching out to pull me toward her. I've been on the pill since I turned 18, and even after he bro, and even after he bro, and even lately, I've been keeping it up, I was going to get laid. Carrie was tall, but not nearly as tall I had grown, doing a quick survey of the geometry of the two of us, and the car, I put my hands on her hips and lifted. I may not be the scrawny reed I was back in high school, and I may have four letters, but I'm still not strong enough to just lift a girl as tall as Carrie like a feather. I got her off the ground, but she slid out of my grip and dropped back to her feet. But she knew immediately what I wanted to do and braced her hands behind her hips on the car hood. She bent her knees. I grabbed her hips again and she nodded. I felt her jump and added my strength to hers. Combined, we easily and lightly popped her up 
to sit on the edge of the hood. Carrie's dress had fallen back in place as she hopped up, and I tugged up on the hem again more roughly than I should. She just laughed and wriggled her ass to let it work its way up and free of her hips. This all left me with my rock-hard erection bobbing in the air, pointing just above Carrie's pussy. She looked down at my cock and caressed it. It jumped involuntarily at her caress. Now, she breathed. I leaned forward and kissed her, my cock bumping against her slit, now soaking wet with her own juices and my saliva. My aim wasn't perfect, but she still had a gentle grip on me and guided me gently into position. I felt my tip nestle in between her lips. I probed her mouth with my tongue, and she answered feverishly. As we pressed against each other, I felt myself sink into her. We both stopped kissing to gasp. I slid my hands up her outer thighs and found myself grasping the perfectly sleek, wonderfully firm curves of her ass. Carrie grabbed my ass in turn and pulled. My own instincts were demanding the same thing, and my hips pressed forward, sinking almost my entire length into her before she gasped. Oh, fuck. You are huge. I'll, she moaned. Guys, hearing a goddess say that to you will do things for your ego and your confidence. Permanent things. Trembling. I drew back, then thrust into her again. Again, we both groaned. I slowly increased my pace, and she resumed kissing me, though she kept breaking it to gasp for air. The feeling of having my penis bury itself in Carrie was overwhelming. Her tight inner embrace left my dick alive with pleasure at every point. It was warm and inviting, but playfully resistant to my penetration. My hips soon had a life of their own, and I could not have stopped driving into her had I wanted. Thank God she was on the pill, because if she had wanted me to pull out, there was no way I could have done it. Beyond the previously undreamed of pleasure I was feeling, I was also experiencing a kind of animalistic urge that was equally unfamiliar, and I was less sure I liked that part, though I only had about three neurons to spare to think about it. Don't get me wrong, I've always seen myself as a dude, but suddenly I felt like a man. No, I felt like a male. I was going to come inside this beautiful creature, come hell or high water. And that was the real, immediate problem. I felt myself getting ready again, and after going off so fast the first time, there was no way I wanted to be quick on the trigger with Carrie again. I slowed down my thrusts and kissed her some more, softly, desperate to distract myself from my own dick. I slid my hands from her hips, up the soft fabric of her dress, and did what I can't believe I had not done before this. Beyond a fleeting graze in the theatre, I touched her breasts. Even through the fabric, they were wonderful. I stroked the surface of their curves, and I quickly determined two things. First, she indeed wore no bra, not even a strapless one that might have worked with the dress. And second, her nipples were as engorged with blood as my cock. We both took shuddering breaths as I clasped her, each mound perfectly filling one of my long-fingered hands. I lost myself in gently squeezing and caressing those silken-covered mounds, only intermittently indulging in a long, slow stroke inside her. Carrie murmured her approval at what I was doing, 
but then she pushed me away a little. My hands did not want to leave her boobs, and my cock remained very firmly planted side her, but she managed some space. Space she used to pull her dress up and over her head. She draped it out flat across the hood of the car beside her, and then pulled me back against her now naked body. It was my turn to resist her efforts this time. I wanted to. No, I had to drink in the sight of those amazing, delicate breasts. They were firm teardrops of milky flesh, bobbing slightly with her heaving breaths. The nipples were in line with every other aspect of Carrie Crowing. Just exactly right. Her aureoles were almost geometrically circular and were bright, contrasting pink. The edges of those circles were dusted with a ring of tiny goosebumps, each as pert and engorged as the nipple, but on a smaller scale. And those nipples, they were small around, but poked outward like miniature towers. Eagerly, I knew what they were eager for. They were eager to be touched. I reached out, trembling fingers and stroked slow circuits around the perimeter of the bright pink islands, ornamenting her shivering dollops. The little goosebumps were like braille around the edges. Then I lightly stroked her nipples, and Carrie shivered, tugging me toward her again, grinding her hips against my cock, still jammed motionlessly inside her. I bent down and kissed one nipple gently. That lasted all of a second, before I was practically devouring that breast, sucking hard on it, pulling the warm, elastic flesh into my mouth. And yeah, I could not help but resume thrusting. I tried to restrain myself, making slow, shallow penetrations. But there is only so much control you have when you're doing it for the first time, and your primal male desires are not taking no for an answer. Soon, I was just flat out fucking carry banging into her with delighted grunting gusto and honestly not doing a great job of maintaining anything like a pleasant rhythm, and I felt that dreaded orgasm lurking again, and I had no way left that I could muster to slow it down this time, not with my lips consuming that perfect boob and my cock slurping in and out of her noisily with each stroke. Fortunately, Carrie had been enjoying herself too, and I had gotten her a long way down the road when I bluffed my way through eating her out. Her hands grasped my ass tightly, and she started crying out, hard and harder, over and over and over and over and over again. Suddenly, she was just screaming incoherently, and her hips jerked and bucked against my shaft. I realized that she was coming. In an instant, both my normal mind and this new masculine intent I was feeling came to a mutual agreement that this sound was one we wanted to hear a lot of going forward from any woman we were with. Carrie kept crying out and digging her fingernails into the tender flesh of my ass to the point that it hurt, but it sure didn't make me slow down. She finally stopped spasming and just held me more gently now as I kept thrusting. I could not believe I had lasted this long but my last shreds of self-control blew away like dandelion seeds. My head jerked upward from her breast, taking in her flushed and almost confused expression, and I gasped as my hips jerked uncontrollably. I utterly exploded into Carrie's depths. My gasped, 
turned into a moan as I felt spurt after impossibly marvellous spurt rush up my cock and into her. Whether it was the rush of cum inside her, or the way my dick seemed to swell up even fatter as I made my last, desperate, ragged thrusts into her, Carrie's eyes flew wide open, and she came again. Her second orgasm was shorter, but even louder than the first. My cock was still quivering inside her, but my uncontrolled urge to mine her depths was spent. Carrie, meanwhile, was wriggling against me, struggling to escape the stimulation of my cock inside her, I guess. After a brief struggle to overcome my inertia, she shoved me backward and she rolled over to her side on the hood of the Mercedes, shaking. Are you all right, Terry? I asked. Worried that I had gone too far, she looked up at me and laughed musically, if a bit raggedly. All right, she gasped. I'm not all right at all. I'm fucking awesome. That was the best, most incredible sex I've ever had. What? Really? I asked, half-flattered, fully incredulous. Yes, really, she laughed again, struggling to sit upright again. Between that enormous thing, and how sweet and determined and fucking. Generous you are. It's never been that good. How did you learn to be so incredible? With that, she leapt to her feet and embraced me. We kissed again softly. It was a mutual thank you, rather than something erotic. But neither of us had much aerobic capacity left, and we broke off the kiss quickly to claw for oxygen. Yeah, I was never going to let Carrie know this had been my first time. No fucking way. Carrie turned away and leaned against the car, bracing herself on her arms against it. God fucking damn her bare ass was beautiful. But then she caught sight of her watch. Oh shit. I'm not late yet, but by the time we get back to my house, I will be. We immediately scrambled to get back into our clothes and make sure there were no grass stains, dirt, or anything else on us, or our clothes. Thank God I had washed the Mercedes within an inch of its life before picking up Carrie. Once we passed inspection, Carrie wanted to take a selfie or two. We both got out our phones and took several quick pictures. Nothing sexy or randy or anything. By mutual unspoken agreement, we just wanted good pictures of the two of us, out on a normal date. I drove swiftly back to her house, but no crazy speed run this time. Honestly, I wanted to make these last few minutes together last. I can't believe I am pissed to be going to Vale, Carrie said, halfway home. I lifted an eyebrow to her. I won't be back until after you leave for school. I'll be back in June, I said softly. Yeah, she sighed. Another mile passed. When we began to near her home, Carrie turned to me. Look, neither of us is going to wait for the other or anything, right? But if, come June, no girl has locked you down, and if I'm not with anybody seriously, I'm going to fuck your brains out off and on all summer, okay? It's amazing, I laughed. Amazing? Yeah, amazing, I reiterated. I've completely lost the ability to refuse.